Bidulao. Watch your back, watch your back. A chance is gonna get you. Watch your back, watch your back. A chance is gonna get you. Watch your back. Watch your back. Oh, there's a chance is gonna get you. Gotta watch those red hands. It's the crimes of the bad It's the crimes of the bad Hi, Douglas. Hi there, Julie. How are you? We're doing good here. Thanks. Yourself? Good, good. Cool. Yeah. So, welcome everybody to Crimes, Crimes the Basque Lands. Crimes the Basque Lands, yes. And mm-hmm. maybe actually we should also um, remind listeners what uh, what Crimes of the Basque Lands is. True. So, we're taking any and all crimes that yeah. occur in the Basque Country mm-hmm. or in the world where there might be some sort of Basque relation connection connection exactly yeah, that's a better word yeah yeah exactly the ten most tenuous connection is good enough for yeah, us yeah yeah we'll take any connection <laughs> and then we'll we'll use that uh, we'll we'll justify it in a nice Basque way yeah hopefully yeah and um and if yeah if any listeners have any story ideas they can always write to us and absolutely suggest stories yeah I guess I was I wasn't. And even for mini crime time too, if they have a mini crime time of that course. they want to contribute, of course, you can send us a voicemail or something. Yeah, that's and a the, good idea. And maybe we can put it on the show. I was going to say it, it's kind of related to that kind of typical expression we have in Bilbao. I mean, it's it's not it's more like a joke or rather than an expression. But there's a joke where somebody goes up to somebody else and goes, "So, have you seen the world map of Bilbao?" <laughs> as in Bilbao is so important it's not only the capital the world map is the a map of map. Bilbao <laughs> and in that vein of thoughts you know a crime committed anywhere could be connected to Bilbao that's true <laughs> that's very true so just just tying it in with Basque things yeah. that's <laughs> my job everything leads back to the Basques of course it has to <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay well let's get into our story then um, so first I'll start out with, uh, my sources for this story. I had articles from El Diario, El País, 20 Minutes, Diario Vasco, mm-hmm. El Mundo, El Español, mm-hmm. AITB, Noticias de Guipúzcoa, Casos Aislados, The Guardian, and of course, Wikipedia. Wow. Yeah. Lots Great of sources list. for mm-hmm. this. Um, and then I wanted to also give special thanks to my ex-student that I've mentioned many times, Gisela, because she's a law clerk. Um, I want to thank her for her help in researching, you know, parts of the story or answering, being very generous with her time and answering that's, my legal questions. That's lovely. I, yeah. I hope we can have her one day as a, as a guest just to say hi and yeah. tell us a little quick mini crime time or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That'd be awesome. Okay, so... In terms of content warning, there is an account of an assassination of a political figure, so mm-hmm. listen with discretion. Mm-hmm. Um, so hang on to your chapella, Douglas. Hanging on. Hanging I hope on. at the very least you will find this story interesting. Because <laughs> you're sure my main audience here. <laughs> <laughs> um, am I? <laughs> <laughs> so this week I'd like to tell you the story about a tale as told, old as time. It's a drama about powerful, wealthy men mm. scratching each other's backs mm-hmm. by bestowing each other with quite lucrative favors. Oh, right. Mm. Right. Favors. Yes. Um, but in this case, they were busted. 
Okay, nice. Yes. Good. I know, right? So they were busted for using their privilege and their connections to line their own pockets. Mm, classic Shocking, tale of intrigue. Right? Yes. I mean. Shocking they got busted, I think, personally. Okay, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say. What's shocking? <laughs> shocking that they were busted. Yeah. Usually they don't get busted. So um, this is my one-sentence synopsis for this story, okay? Mm-hmm. So all hell breaks loose when three powerful men and well-connected men share the spotlight in the vast courts and in the media leading to their ultimate fall from grace. Oh. Okay, so this is the story of Cuchebank and the former politician Miguel Ángel Cabiezes García. Okay. So my cousin. Your cousin. No, he's not my cousin. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Hundreds of years ago. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so now I'm giving you this politician's given name, but I'd like you now to guess how he changed it for his public persona. And how he's actually referred to in the news stories about his involvement in this case. Okay. Okay. Is he a politician? So yeah. Okay. So he's a Basque politician. Hmm. He was a member of the Socialist Party of Euskadi. Mm-hmm. Uh, we remember Euskadi is the Basque country. Mm-hmm. And a member of Euskadiko Esquerra. Mm-hmm. The, Basque, the Basque left. The left Basque, yeah, party. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess they combine it. It's the, um, what did, how did they... Anyway, they, they, they usually run on. They, they're together. They're kind of like a combined party mm-hmm. in this. Okay. A lot of times they kind of keep their messages separate, but they present themselves jointly in an election. Yeah. So I don't, yeah. I'm not sure. So oftentimes when he's yeah. talked about his party, mm-hmm. they, they combine the two. Yeah. These two okay. parties. So. so we know what's happening. Yeah. Sometimes they split up again, but yeah, a lot of times they just become one party eventually. In order to have more clout and... Wait, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how do you think he changed his name to suit this public identity and, you know, as a politician here in the Basque Country? So Miguel Mm -hmm. to... Oh, Miguel, of course, is going to be Yes, I knew you would guess it right away. Basquification. (laughs) Very good. I knew you would get it. I mean... Miguel, so... I mean, th- th- there has been a process where people who were obliged to pick up a Spanish name are free to, to pick another name now oh, okay, after yeah. dictatorship. Mm. And a lot of people, you know, were forced to be called, like girls had to have be called Maria. Yeah. And Maria something, you know. Maria and, something, Exactly. Yeah. And so, then Jose something. Exactly. So they wouldn't let you give best For Mary names. and Joseph, by the way, for those of you who don't know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> religious types yeah so you know it, it there's 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 uh there's a tradition of doing that there's a reason why people would do that because i guess he's an older man and he wouldn't he have been allowed to 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 have Go a bad name else. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it, it's not 100 percent cynical and it's quite a typical thing here mm. but it, let's see <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, I'd like to think that he just did it to get more cred in the Basque politics. For sure. <laughs> For sure. I mean, he's not very nationalist because he's um, PSOE, the, you said, the party? It's not PSOE. It's it's the Basque Socialist Party, which is not PSOE. Oh, okay. So PSOE is the national party, right? Yeah, but it also has a Basque. Right. So it's like the Basque counterpart of that party, I guess. Right, right, right. right? Basque PSOE then. Right. Is what you want to call it. Yeah. Sure, sure. But so, what I mean is even Pepe, which is the very unionist right wing um, party. Conservative party, yeah. Yeah, they still have a Basque Pepe 
right. office, you know, exactly. It, even though they're not nationalist at all. Yeah. Anyway, just clarifying. Okay. So yeah, I'll refer to him as Mikel mm-hmm. from now on. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So first I'm going to give you some background on Kuchibank. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now this is uh, from Wikipedia. Kucha mm-hmm. Bank is a Spanish bank founded and based in Bilbao. It was officially created on January 1st of 2012 out of a merger of three Basque saving banks operating in their respective provinces. Bilbao Biscaya Kucha, known as BBK, mm-hmm. based in Bilbao. Gipuzkoa Donostia Kucha, known as Kucha, based in San Sebastian and Caja Vital Cucha, known as Vital, based in Vitoria. So these three Basque banks were headquartered in the three capital cities of Euskadi. Yeah. Bilbao, Bilbo, San Sebastian, Donostia, and Vitoria Gasteis. Mm-hmm. Right? So those second names, as we've said, I think, before... It's a typical way in a Basque country, to, you would say you the, the Spanish name... Spanish name and then the, and then the Basque, Basque afterwards, yeah. yeah. Okay, so... <clears throat> Um, just some more information about Kujabank. As of 2014, the European stress test measuring solvency in periods of credit crisis showed that Kujabank ranked first in Spain. Wow. Standing out as the soundest financial institution. Kujabank was considered the most solvent bank in Spain. Nice. Also ranking higher than the average European bank. I wouldn't expect less from the best. I know. Good Very for them. Organized. Good for them. Very organized. <laughs> So now the word kucha mm-hmm. in Euskera, what do you, do you want to tell us what that translates to? It's literally a box, but yeah. it's, it's referring to your savings box. A bank. Yeah. yeah a bank. Yeah. <laughs> your save. Yeah. Your um, bank. I don't know. Is bank a literal thing as, as apart from a Well, I mean, I'm thinking box hmm. could be bank because it's where you keep your thing, a bank of something. Yeah. In my, thing. yeah. And in my brain, it, it links to a safe. Like a big yeah. box. Yeah, metal exactly. Box. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so <clears throat> it was in December of 2014 when the new president of Cuche Bank, Gregorio Villa Labetia, filed a complaint with the prosecutor's office in Bilbao for, quote, alleged anomalies during the former president of the bank's uh, Mario Fernandez's tenure. Mm-hmm. Okay. The director of human resources, Fernando Lopez de Iguilas. Aguilas. Aguilas. Mm-hmm. Aguilas. Um, he had given the new president a heads up that a one Mikel Cavietes had been hired indirectly for three years by the bank, but had not provided any services to the entity. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Upon receiving this information, he communicated these facts to the Bank of Spain, which in turn transferred it to the European Central Bank, which then requested that the current president of Cucha Bank, Gregorio Villa La Betia, mm-hmm. find out the details of this. Okay. Yeah. So he performed an audit. And in the final report, he found that what appeared to be an increase in the payments by the bank to their legal consultants and representatives in labor issues. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so Gregorio is, 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 is the new president president, and he's investigating his own bank, investigating his own bank mm-hmm. under the watch of the former bank president. Okay. What was something that had gone on yeah, in his previous tenure? Pres- mm-hmm. Yeah. So these payments were made in monthly installments for approximately 6,000 euros. Mm-hmm. They were made starting in 2012 and ending in 2014. 
ultimately totaling to 243,592 euros. Nice, nice little sum of money. Yeah. So, you know, this may not sound nefarious, you know, a law firm raising their fees for providing more services to their client and invoicing them accordingly. Mm -hmm. But what raised alarm bells for him was that he could find no legitimate basis basis for the bank to be issuing these extra payments for these three years. Yeah, basically no services. Yeah. Right. So when he inquired further, he found that the bank had decided to dispense this, quote, income directly to Mikkel by way of funneling it through the bank's external legal labor advisor, the law offices of Rafael Acorta and Associates. Mm. Okay? Moreover, these deposits from Cuche Bank to Rafael Alcorta and his firm were approved and directed by the bank's then president, Mario Fernandez. So he, yeah. he said yes to yeah. these increases in their fees. To mm-hmm. the... It was approved by him. It was under his yeah. responsibility. Yeah. Mario's. Yes, Mario. Hmm? Trying to trying to sort these names out. It's, I know, I know. That's why it's very complicated. It's already hard for me to follow. But there's a Gonzalo who's the current one, right? No, it's G- a Gregorio. Gregorio, sorry. Yeah. Gregorio. And then Mario's the previous guy. Yep. And that's that's and good enough for now. Oh, Mikkel. Oh, he's the Mikkel one receiving was the one it. that was hired, right? Okay. okay. Hired. Okay, so... Um, Air quotes there. Yeah, I did air quotes. Sorry. I have to remember to, to, to let listeners know that I'm doing air quotes. <laughs> so it appeared as though these payments were income for Mikkel mm-hmm. and that Mikkel was providing a legal service to the bank as a labor lawyer. Mm-hmm. However, upon further inspection by um, via La Vecia, Gregorio, mm-hmm. he could find no services that Mikkel had actually provided to the bank over the course of this time that he was receiving pay. So what does he do? He smells something fishy. And I assume he wants his bank that he's now in charge of not to have to come under any scrutiny for this discrepancy, Mm. you know, or a crime of misappropriation of funds, right? Very responsible. Yep. So he files a complaint with the prosecutor's office for investigation in December of 2014. Mm. So he'd just taken over at that point as well. Okay. Interesting. So they investigated. Okay. Good. Um, so, uh, so Kucha Bank's director of the internal audit department, Roberto Mole, he confirmed in his report that from the end of 2014, he had found, quote, irregularities in the relationship between the bank and Mikel Cavietes. Mm-hmm. He questioned whether the amounts received by Mikel were actually payments for rendering services to the bank as a labor lawyer. Mm-hmm. Okay. He detailed in his report that Mikkel had received monthly payments of almost 5,800 euros in advance for his collaboration with the Alcorta law firm. In addition to these monthly payments, Mikkel had also billed the bank for expenses of a trip that seemed to have never taken place. Oh, wow. <laughs> you could have just actually charged a trip you took. Jesus, people. Yeah, take a trip. Right? <laughs> Why I not? Don't know. Why not? Save that money. Go to France. Have some fun. <laughs> yeah. Totally yeah. a business meeting. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what struck him as odd is that these monthly payments were being salaried to Cavietes, but it appeared as though they were for nothing in return, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he wasn't providing the bank with any services. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Roberto Mole was brought into the matter by the new president, Gregorio, mm-hmm. via La Vetia, yeah. as a result of his learning about the relationship between the bank and Mikel Cavietes upon the departure of the former president, right? Yep. So this all came Still with you, Julie. Incredibly, okay, good, good. incredibly. Okay. 
So he um, discovered that this irregular liaison was only known by Fernandez, mm -hmm. Mario, mm -hmm. um, the director of human resources and the general director. So nobody else seemed to know about this agreement or arrangement in, mm -hmm. within the bank, right? Right. So he wanted uh, this, uh, the new president wanted Roberto Moll, the mm -hmm. audit guy. Auditor, yeah. Yeah to analyze whether or not the employing of Mikel was actually legal. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So um, he apparently questioned the legality of his hiring because of this quote, strange and quote, irregular indirect contracting procedure of Mikel's hiring. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he found it strange and irregular because the logical thing would have been to just increase the amount paid to the Alcorta law firm mm -hmm. who represented the bank, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm, or was mm -hmm. their legal advisor, right? Right. Um, but what happened was that the bank had decided to establish a separate channel in which the money being paid out by the bank monthly, always in the same amount, mm -hmm. went directly into the hands of Mikel. Yeah, that smells suspicious yeah. as hell. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm doing my best here to keep this clear. <laughs> let's hope everybody's okay. with us. <laughs> so um, let's take a break, and then I'll introduce you to the three men who would have to answer for this crime. Okay? Oh, exciting. <laughs> let's do that. Okay, we're back. We're back. Okay, so let's find out about these three men that are going to have to answer, right, mm -hmm, for this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. First, let's find out about Mario, Mario Fernandez, the former president who was in charge of all these, quote, irregular activities that were taking place at Gucci Bank. According to Wikipedia, mm -hmm. Mario Fernandez Pelaz was born November 4th, 1943, in Bilbao. Going to the very beginning. <laughs> this is far as I'm going to go. <laughs> Happy that he have a nice childhood, Julian. Yes. He grew up on a farm. No, he didn't. He graduated um, in law from the University oops, of Deusto in 1965, and since 1966, he has practiced as a lawyer. Mm. Deusto is a is a well known uh, university in Bilbao, yeah. mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and they're well known for having law as well. Yeah. Um, he's also a professor of commercial law at the business school at the University of Deusto. Mm. He was also active in politics. Mm. He was a member of the Basque Nationalist Party, PNV. Yeah, PNV in Castilian. Mm -hmm. And in March of 1980, he was included in the first cabinet of the Basque government after its restoration post-Franco mm. dictatorship. Nice. He was chosen by the then Lendakari Carlos Garay Coachea. Right. The Lendakari is the president of the Basque country. Mm -hmm. um, he was chosen by him to head the labor department. And in January of 1982, Garay Coachea appointed him as vice Lendakari. Oh, wow. So this appointment made Fernandez like the number two Basque executive mm -hmm. and in charge of negotiating the transfer of powers with the government of Spain for the autonomous region of the Basque country. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a very important time in, mm -hmm. in history in terms of, you know, there were you were coming out of dictatorship and they were getting back the, the, the autonomies and, and sort of, yeah, mm -hmm. it's, it's serious negotiations there. Yeah. Important things. Yes. So he was right there at the table. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah, at this time, the democracy in the constitution of Spain has um, been secured post-dictatorship and the formation of the autonomous regions were being established mm -hmm. and their terms with their rights and responsibilities were being negotiated with the Spanish government. Mm -hmm. So our main man, Mario, was right there, right? Interesting. Sitting there at the table with these agreements, you know, making these agreements between Spain and the Basque Country. Garay mm Coachea -hmm. resigned as Lendicardi in January 27th of 1985 and was replaced in this post by Jose Antonio Arlanza, who was loyal to the leadership of the PNV, mm -hmm. PNV mm -hmm. the Basque Nationalist Party, in September of 1986. Then there was a new political party that came about, led by Garay Coetchea, mm -hmm. called Eusko Alcartasuna. Yeah, Euskal Alcartasuna, yeah, very good. So that he created this new party. Mm -hmm. At that time. Um, so this was a split of these two nationalist parties, yeah, right? Yeah. And, and for a little bit of context, PNV is the biggest party to date in the Basque Country mm -hmm. by, by far. And they've been in power for a very long, long time. I mean, they I know. Yeah, they were not in power for four years in Biscaya, mm. but other provinces have had other more more variety in parties. The, the, the party, or sorry, the province with the strongest connection to PNV is Biscaya, where we live. Yeah. Because here we've only had one four-year term that hasn't been PNV. Yeah. And, and they're actually more conservative. They're, they're center-right. Yeah. Yeah. So they're fiscally conservative. And, and they, yeah, they came more from a sort of conservative Christian right. movement uh, in the Basque Country. Mm. Mm. That's kind of their vibe. Yeah. When Mario left his post as vice Lendicari, mm -hmm. when, um, what was his name again? Garay Coetia mm -hmm. resigned. Mm -hmm. He went to join this new party as well. Oh, really? Interesting. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and then he went on to head up the newly established um, party's candidate list for Bilbao City Council. Mm -hmm. Okay. So in June of 1987, it seems that... Uh, that um, his time at city council was unsuccessful or unpopular. Okay. I guess he wasn't a very good politician. <laughs> but he was, he was elected. Yeah. Okay. Um, so he withdrew from city council altogether or in politics altogether mm. after that. Okay. So what year are we talking about? Ish? This was in 87. 87. Okay. And currently he's not affiliated with any political party. Okay. So after that, he just kind of stopped being in politics altogether. I've given you all this background on Mario's political past to demonstrate how connected he was in vast politics because um, I think it does influence how he goes about things in his, and as his career progresses. In um, November of 1996, the Basque government appointed him as a member of the Euskadi Arbitration Commission. What is that, you ask? Yeah, I have no idea. Let Arbit me tell arbitrating you. Arbitrating what? <laughs> I had to look into it myself. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's the institution in charge of resolving competition conflicts that may arise among the institutions of the autonomous community and those of each of its historical territories. And as this position is so politically and economically charged, in mm -hmm. the year 2000, his name appeared on a published list of possible ETA targets. Right. So what is ETA? Mm -hmm. Anybody that lives here knows what ETA is, but maybe our listeners don't. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you the Wikipedia definition of ETA for our listeners mm -hmm. um, who may not be familiar with their significance here in the history of the Basque Country. So 
ETA, an acronym for Euskadi Ta Askatasuna. Yeah, Euskadi Ta Askatasuna. Translates to Basque Homeland and Liberty or Basque Country and Freedom. Um, it was an armed Basque nationalist and far left separatist organization in the Basque Country, which covers a territory in northern Spain and southwestern France. The group was founded in 1959 and later evolved from a group promoting traditional Basque culture to a paramilitary group engaged in violent campaign of bombing, assassinations, and kidnappings throughout Spanish territory, especially in the southern Basque Country, the part that's in Spain. Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. Its goal was gaining independence for the Basque Country. ETA was the main group within the Basque National Liberation Movement and was the most important Basque participant in the Basque conflict. So that's what ETA is. Yes. And so with uh, this new position, Mario Fernandez was Considered. found himself on the list of a potential target of theirs. Mm -hmm. After moving away from active politics, he dedicated himself to private business. He came to hold the position of legal director of legal affairs and a member of the management committee of BBVA. Another bank, right? Another. Banco Bilbao Vizcaya Argentaria. Yeah, that's a bank bank. Yes. So <clears> it's <throat> one of the, another of the largest banking institutions here and in the world. It is indeed. It's very big in Latin America, mm -hmm. for example. And then it was after leaving BBVA that he joined Uria Menendez Law Firm in 2002. Mm. Okay. Okay. So I just want to give you kind of like a little side story about his time at BBVA. Mm -hmm. In April of that same year, he was involved, the year of 2002, mm -hmm. he was involved in the scandal of the secret accounts of the BBVA bank that occurred when he was a senior bank official. Okay. The anti-corruption prosecutor's office huh. requested that he be charged in the case, but the judge did not consider it appropriate. And in the end, he wasn't tried for these crimes, but I'm mm -hmm. going to tell you what this was okay. the background to that story. So in April of 2002, it was discovered that BBV before they merged with the Ar um, Argentaria bank mm -hmm. maintained a secret account in the tax haven of Jersey for 13 years in which it had deposited a package of the bank's own shares, which were later sold with capital gains of over 120 million euros. Oh, yummy. <laughs> <clears throat> the judge in this case opened a judicial criminal investigation for possible crimes of misappropriation, corporate crime of document falsification, corporate crime of dishonest administration, money laundering, and bribery. Was anybody um, sort of taken to justice? I think that? so. Okay. But Mario mm. did not. He got out. He got unscathed. Yeah. <laughs> He, he, was, might, he was there at another banking scandal. He might not have had anything to do with he it. He was just getting his feet wet <clears throat> in banking scandals, maybe. Okay, it was his first banking scandal. Maybe. Okay. I mean, you know. Or the first one that came to light. I don't know. But yeah, he did escape those charges. So he wasn't tried for that. So that didn't stop him from heading up another bank. In July of 2009, he was elected as the new president of BBK the savings bank here in Biscaya, mm -hmm. pre-merger of the three savings banks that make up Gucci Bank right. today. He's considered one of the masterminds behind achieving the merger of Gucci mm. Bank. Interesting. He was appointed as the executive president of the newly created bank in 2012 mm -hmm. when they merged. Mm -hmm. And that was a position he held until the end of 2014. Okay. Okay. So that's Mario. Wow. Um, so shall we talk about Mikel? Okay. Let's get into Mikel. Mario down, Mikel's next. Mm -hmm. So Mikel Cabiefes, 
for Miguel Angel Cavieses Garcia. Mm. He was, well, when he was born, he was born in La Arboleda. Oh, so yeah. back in the in the Valley of Trabaga. Yes, Bilbao. <laughs> yep, on September 23rd, 1957. Yeah, we've talked about Arboleda before. We have. Miguel, as he's now known publicly, like Mario Fernandez, also graduated with a law degree from the University of Dusto. Mm hmm. And also, like Mario, he participated in politics. Um, as for his professional career as a lawyer, I don't really have a clear trajectory. Mm -hmm. But he later testified that he hadn't practiced like courtroom law mm. since 1990. Mm. But he did work as a, like in an advisory capacity on legal matters throughout okay. his career. Sounds like a cushy job to me. Mm. So it seems that his political career and professional career are overlapping throughout mm -hmm. his life. He was a labor advisor for the Union General de Trabajadores, which is UGT, mm. or the General Workers Union. Yeah, yeah. it's one of the biggest, mm -hmm. if not the biggest, yeah. Yeah. He served on the board of directors for various companies and public entities. He's held various organizational positions in the Socialist Party of Euskadi, and then Euskadico Esquerra. Mm -hmm. So they've combined it here. Mm -hmm. P-S-E-E-E, -E. Mm -hmm. right? He was a city council member and then the first deputy mayor of Portugalete. Mm. And then from 1995 to 2007, he was the mayor of Portugalete. Okay. Getting to know our neighbors. Yeah. Portugalete. Anything you want to say about Portugalete? It, it's a very picturesque uh, um, neighborhood. I mean, it's its own municipality. And yeah. as you were saying, you like know, they have, their own, yeah. they have their own mayor. But it is connected by metro with Bilbao, and it feels like a suburb from mm -hmm. here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's beautiful. It's, it has an old port with gorgeous architecture and a very famous bridge, mm -hmm. the Portugalete Bridge, which is a hanging bridge. What is a hanging bridge? Well, look it up on it. <laughs> look it up because it's pretty hard to, to explain. But it's uh, a crazy looking bridge. Uh, it, we definitely recommend it. It's a UNESCO World Heritage, that that. Um, bridge yeah it's cool it's quite a fun fun visit yeah okay so he was also a member of the general assembly of biscaya which is the highest legislative body of the province and historical territory of biscaya so okay. also very well connected very yes mm -hmm. clearly so after leaving the mayor's office he became a government delegate in the basque country until 2012 when he was replaced by Carlos Urquijo. Mm -hmm. Now, it was in 2012 when all this shady business with Cuchibank all started, mm -hmm. but more about that later. And finally, it was in 2015 when he officially dropped his membership with the PSEEE, -E, mm -hmm. the Basque Socialist Party and mm -hmm. the Left Wing Party. Mm -hmm. um, after all this, you know, monkey business with Cuchibank came to light. And he was being investigated. So mm. it appears that he left the party because of some perhaps not so subtle encouragement from party leaders. Sounds appropriate. So. Yeah. In politics, yeah. Uh, you get dirty, you smell bad. Like, um, you're going to have to go. Okay. So uh, shall we take a break before we get into our third and final defendant? That sounds, in this case. sounds like a plan. Okay. Let's take a break. <laughs> Okay, we're back. We're back. All right, so now for the final piece of our puzzle mm -hmm. and the third defendant in this case, mm. Rafael Alcorta. His career and life are not as publicized. 
um, AKA he doesn't have a Wikipedia page. Okay. <laughs> so I'll share with you what I do know about him from my online searches. Okay. Uh, like his co-defendants, he also has a law degree from Deusto University. Wouldn't you say that? I know, right? Shocking. <laughs> I should add here, you know, like you had said before, Deusto University is the most prestigious law school in Spain. Mm. It's um, the oldest private university in the country, and it was founded here in Bilbao by the Jesuits. Oh, I didn't know it was famous outside the Basque Country, but it's yeah, nice to it know. It is, yeah. Mm. He's been a member of the Colegio de la Abogacía of Biscaya, mm. or de Biscaya, College of Law of Biscaya, since 1982. Mm. In 1990, he established his practice on Mazaredo Street. Downtown Bilbao. Mm -hmm. Very nice streets. Mm -hmm. He's also a member of the public body of the autonomous community of the Basque Country, whose purpose is to promote dialogue and conflict resolution between the social part, the workers and the unions, and the business part in the world of work. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's also an advisory body to the Basque Parliament and government for matters relating to social and labor matters. Nice. Good to know. Go. So this man's also well-connected and right there at the table, right? With yes. These very important decisions they're He's making with in banks, politics. with government, mm -hmm. with, with big companies. So in 1998, he established Alcorta y Abogados, which is Alcorta and Associates, you know, I guess if it's a law firm. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And he moved his offices mm. to the Albia building, mm. which is Jardines de Albia, you know? Yeah. Like right near the courthouse. So um, he was considered one of the five best labor lawyers in the region, and I, which I suppose garnered him a contract and a working relationship with BBK. Right. Okay. Makes sense. So you recall BBK was the primary banking savings institution here in Vizcaya, mm -hmm. um, pre-merger with the other Kuchas. Mm -hmm. um, so post-merger of the three Kuchas, creating Kucha Bank, mm -hmm. he remained on as their labor advisor and participated in the labor negotiations for the bank. Okay. Interesting. So that's it. That's all I've got on him in terms of his professional. Yeah. Career. Sounds like so an interesting. So all three of these men, lawyers, um, all involved in politics in some way or another, maybe not Rafael, yeah. Alcorta so much. Right. But in a way, because he's also dealing with the unions and, you know, mm -hmm. making these deals with um, business, the business world, and then absolutely the social yeah. banks and... deal with business and owners and workers. Yeah. It's yeah. all connected. Yeah. So the preliminary here proceedings, the preliminary proceedings began in February of 2015. Mm -hmm. At this time, the bank held a board of directors meeting to decide whether or not they would be part of the prosecutorial side of these proceedings. Okay. okay? So it was the new, you know, it was the new president of the bank, Gregorio Villa mm -hmm. Labritia, mm -hmm. who had brought the attention of the courts to this case after all. Right? Yeah. So the board decided that the bank would not take part in this capacity at these proceedings. Okay. So they wouldn't be part of the prosecution. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So they, you know, from what I read, it seems like they felt that all this went down under different leadership. And as it stood you know, the bank was actually still being run the same way that Fernandez or Mario had left it. Mm. Right. But they wanted to overhaul the operations under the new leadership. Okay. And um, they didn't want Kucha Bank to be associated with this type of, um, you know, misappropriation type of crime. 
But like what I thought you meant, they don't want to be part of the prosecuting. Right. Because I'll get into that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not just the prosecutor's office, the judicial office. Other people can also be part of the prosecution. So I'm going to tell you about that. Okay. Among those who were summoned to appear were the two of the men who have introduced you to the former president of the bank, Mario Fernandez, and the former government delegate of the Basque country, Miguel Cavietes, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So they were ordered to testify on March 12th and 13th of 2015, along with the testimonies of Roberta Moll, who was the internal auditor at yeah. Cucha Bank, and the head of HR at Cucha Bank, Fernando, mm-hmm. oh God, I forgot how to say his name, <laughs> Lopez de... Uh, So after these preliminary proceedings, it was decided that they would, in fact, indict and charge Cabezas, Fernandez, and Alcorta with some Mm, crimes. Okay. Interesting. So in its indictment, the Biscaya Prosecutor's Office deemed that the three defendants acted, quote, through mutual agreement, unquote, and had caused economic damage to Gucci Bank. Sounds like we've, yeah, we're, we're understanding that together. I'm agreeing. They requested a sentence of two years in prison and a 6,000 euro fine for each man for the crime of unfair administration and the crime of falsifying a commercial document. Alternatively, the popular accusation, in this case, requested a sentence of three years in prison for each of the, <laughs> for each for the continuous crime of misappropriation along with the crime of forgery in a commercial document. Hmm. Additionally, they requested that during the time of their sentence, they would be disqualified from working in their respective fields. So in the case of Mario Fernandez, he would be barred from holding a position as either like an administrator or to sit on any board of director Mm -hmm. for any commercial entity. Right. And for Mikel Cabiefes and Rafael Acorta, they would be banned from practicing law Mm. during the time of their sentence. Yeah. Okay. Oh, just during the time. Okay. Yeah. Just the time of their sentencing. Yeah. I mean, uh, could you'd be think more than like, that. Yeah, right? you think like, come you on, it, you guys. could give them a five-year ban, you know. Or, you know, disbar them yeah. permanently. Yeah, I would like that. Yeah. Well, right? it depends how grave the crime was. I mean, and it seems a bit redundant. It's like he, he can't do these jobs while he's serving time. It's like, you know, really? You have to say that? Yeah. And then it, it's like, you know, if he goes to jail for two years, he can't practice law for at least two years right i mean <laughs> as if he was anyway? gonna, yeah I mean, exactly if he was i mean <laughs> that would be ironic <laughs> yeah. yeah my lawyer is in jail yeah. maybe while he's in jail he's <laughs> helping out other prisoners by giving them legal advice <laughs> i mean that is reform right that's your you're reforming yourself there you're yeah. actually helping real people <laughs> maybe that's the only time he's allowed to <laughs> anyway so okay so you might Oddities. notice that i said the Bill, the Biscaya prosecutor's mm-hmm. office had requested one sentencing, right? Yeah, there was two years and then two years public. And then yeah, and I don't like know what 6, that means. 6,000. And then mm-hmm. there was the popular accusation, yeah. right? So what is that, right? Yeah, what is it? Well, let me tell Learning you. Learning about the system. I know, yes. I learned a lot about the system. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a procedural figure that allows public participation of any citizen mm-hmm. in justice. It constitutes one of the ways to appear in the judicial process as an accuser. Hmm. The other two ways are the private accusation and the public prosecutor's office. Okay. Okay. So um, article 101 of the criminal procedure law establishes that criminal action is public 
and that any Spanish citizen can bring it, even if they're not directly affected by the crime. Mm -hmm. It's also regulated in Article 125 of the Spanish Constitution. Mm -hmm. Okay. So who can exercise popular accusation? Any physical or legal person who is a Spanish citizen and enjoys full civil rights may present themselves voluntarily in popular accusation. So not us, Julie. No. Well, I guess not because we're not citizens. No, we're not citizens. So no, we can't. We can't. It can only be used for public crimes, for the defense of Mm -hmm. society and legality, but not in private crimes or in military criminal Mm -hmm. procedures. So isn't that interesting? And remember when I went to that it's a court- shame the military get out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to be there. Sorry, go on. I want to be there. Um, when I went to that trial, mm. one of the things that I was kind of um, surprised by um, was that there were several different people mm. on the prosecution side, and they mm. represented different parts of the. Uh, what should I say? Like they represented different entities, I mm-hmm, guess. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, I like guess. one was for gender violence laws mm-hmm. or something, you know, mm. or, um, you know, so like, there yeah, was, like political there was parties, the, the, there yeah. was the prosecution, the, the prosecution's office of Biscaya was mm-hmm. there, but then there were also two or three other lawyers that were representing different entities for that case. Interesting. As part of the popular accusation, I guess. That sounds very healthy. Mm-hmm. If they're listened to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, um, well, I guess they're given the same weight. No, I don't know. They're all, they were all given the opportunity to question question Mm. and, um, and request what sentencing they thought was appropriate, Mm. you know? So they're they're, they're all part of it. Yeah. It sounds healthy. I'm I'm liking it. I I found it very interesting. Yeah. I do like it. Because not like that in the States. No. No. Okay. So the popular accusation in this case was representing various unions. Okay. okay. So it was headed primarily by the labor unions Lab and ESK, L A B E S K. Right, okay. which are pretty big unions. unions. Yeah. yeah. But included other unions such as um, Ste Elias or S T E E hyphen E I L A S, E H N E, and Hiru. H I R U. Yeah. Also being represented was the social organizations. EKA, mm-hmm. Basque Association of Consumers and Users. Mm-hmm. And the last one was the Euskaleria Pensioners Platform. Mm. Okay, so all of these people were being represented by the popular accusation. Okay, so it's under one umbrella. So like a, yeah, mm-hmm. all of them kind of combined to be sure. part of the prosecution in this case. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So because Kuchibank is a somewhat public financial institution, these unions and social organizations that made up the popular accusation felt that this was a public crime. Indeed. I think they get some sort of public funding for certain things, Mm -hmm. which is why they're considered sort of public. Yeah, I just wanted to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like that. In these preliminary proceedings, the three defendants requested a (laughs) out front, like, or a dismissal of mm-hmm, the case mm-hmm. this is absurd we're <laughs> yeah. upstanding what? law yeah yeah uh, <laughs> and especially they they wanted a dismissal especially because kuchu bank didn't appear as one of its prosecutors it's an interesting point mm-hmm. i kind of I, it sounds like some lawyer was like listen you guys we can just ask for a dismissal because yeah the entity that you've supposedly harmed isn't actually here accusing you of anything, right? It's an interesting situation. Yeah. 
However, um, the court decided to proceed with the trial, which formally accused the three men of having acted in coordination to pay Cabietes a salary that represented an economic loss to Kucha Bank to the tune of 243,000 euros. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the trial would eventually be held in February of 2017. Okay. These preliminary hearings took place in 2015. Okay. Okay. So let's go to the trial. Mm -hmm. Um, The trial, at the outset of the trial, the labor union lab, Mm LAB, who was at the forefront of the popular accusation, held a rally in front of the courthouse in Bilbao with the slogan, no to fraud. Okay. Mm -hmm. You might remember these demonstrations happening around town during the trial, because I remember this. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing like a lot of demonstrations in front of like the um, Kucha Bank on Gran Villa. Oh, right. When I was researching this, I was like, oh, yeah, I remember oh, right. that with all yeah. these, you know, for several, several weeks. Yeah, I mean, on. I'm I'm scratching my brain. It's not saying no, anything. No, but maybe because you probably aren't on Gran Bia that much. And I was, not much, I was yeah. there because I was walking to work, you know. Yeah, Gran Bia, for, for our listeners, oh, is, yeah, the main... is equivalent to the British High Street. Or Main Street in America. Main Street in America, exactly. Yeah. And it would be, yeah, the Gran Via, the Great Way. So it would be, mm. lots of cities have a Gran Via. And mm. Bilbao, Lopez de Aro, isn't it? That is the name, isn't it? Gran Via, Lopez de Aro is not the same thing? I don't know. Anyway, we have one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do remember. I do remember there being a lot of protests in front of the bank. Okay. Okay, so um, at the trial, which lasted three days, what do you think these men used as their defense? (laughs) I think they were all in Dubai for three months, and they have (laughs) photos of them in this seven-star hotel the whole time, and they have to be. That's where they were? Yeah. When all this went down? They were in Dubai eating caviar. Mario was not running the bank. No. Rafael was not in charge of his law firm. I mean, he, he was on the phone, you know. Yeah. I guess you could commit a crime from Dubai as well, right? Yeah. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> if, if these guys have to specify you can't be a lawyer whilst you're in prison. <laughs> yeah. I suppose you could be a lawyer from Dubai. <laughs> I, um, I can't. Let's. I, I can't think of. I mean, these justifications to me always sound ridiculous. So yeah. I could come up with anything ridiculous. Well, they did try to defend themselves. Okay. So we'll get into that. Um, should we take a break, though, before we do? Let's do that. Before, before we go we... to the trial. Mm. Okay. Let's take a break. See you guys soon. Okay. We're back. We're back. Okay. So let's start with Mario Fernandez, mm-hmm. our president mm-hmm. of the bank, right? According to Mario... He was contacted by, quote, a high-ranking individual from a political party and two others from another organization or political party Hmm. to try to find some kind of job opportunity for Mikel Cabiefes, but not a paid position, end quote. Okay. Okay. So he didn't publicly name any of these people who contacted him with this request, obviously. What do you think he meant by not a paid position? Like, not a legit job? Not like a job 
you know, guess, like a job, but not a I job mean, job. Right? I mean, I think about the poor lawyer. He just came out of law school 30 years ago. He needs some training, right? He <laughs> yeah, needs some, some what do you call, what do you call it when you're like making coffee for the guys? Um, like an intern? Exactly. He needs an internship. Yeah. yeah at no. the bank. Just to prove making that. Making coffee for the guys. Just to prove. That's what interns do. He, he knows. He knows what's, you know. <laughs> Unless you're an intern in the vast country, then you're required to be like to do the actual job of the position yeah. that you've been hired for, but you're being paid as an intern. Yeah. I mean, clearly not because this guy is like, you know, right? No, He's, not in this case. Yeah. yeah. I don't think that yeah, was no, the no. case here. Yeah, that's why I was being ironic. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. They weren't looking for an internship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So he went on to say that this was common practice for people in a situation like that of Mikkel's as an ex-delegate leaving politics. He insisted that at all times his actions were about finding and giving him a job and not about paying him for services that were not going to be provided. He went on to say that he was willing to help out Mikkel because it was his social duty to protect and assist those who've been on the front lines, politically speaking, of the fight against terrorism. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. That is so... This is his defense, okay? One-sided. Sure, I'm listening Mm -hmm. to this. Uh So at this point, anyone who's from the Basque Country or lives here knows that this is a reference to Etta, Mm -hmm. um, who I told you about at the beginning of the story. Mm -hmm. So um, at this time, I won't be going into Etta at any length, but for the purposes of this story, as it pertains to part of his defense, I'll mention what he had said at the trial. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So in his testimony, Mario brought up the story of a former civil governor of Gipuzkoa, Juan Maria Jauregui, mm-hmm. who'd had a similar position, uh, political position, as Mikel. Upon retirement from that position, the Spanish government posted Jauregui to live in Chile. It was when he returned to Gipuzkoa for a holiday or vacation, um, and without his bodyguard, who usually accompanied him, that he was shot and killed while sitting at a cafe in Tolosa, which mm. is a small town near San Sebastian, mm. Donostia. Mm. So Mario Fernandez was using this story to bolster his cred that he was just trying to fulfill his civic duty to help Mikel out with a job. Mm-hmm. Okay. One article from El Español stated, quote, Fernandez assured the court that his actions were motivated by the socio-political context of the Basque country and the unwritten rule of collaborating in the return to civilian life of those who've actively participated in the fight against ETA. So that's his defense or part of his defense. Sounds very odd. Coming back to civilian life, where yeah. were you in prison? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, know. I mean, surely you were a government officer. I know officer. it sounds like you were dodging bullets. <laughs> or that they were like, you know, posted in Chile fighting ETA. I mean, come yeah, on. I know. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sure. That was his try. <laughs> Not impressing Douglas. No. Nope. saying that. I can see that from your face. <laughs> For listeners, Douglas is not impressed. I'm not impressed. Though. By his face, I can tell. Um, additionally, it seems that some bad blood resurfaced during the trial and in Mario's testimony. Um, so according to an article in El País, Mario Fernandez was replaced as the president of Cuchibank when he fell out of favor with PNV, the Basque Nationalist Party, Hmm. the conservative one that's been in power for a long ass time. Indeed. Mm -hmm. Due to his commitment to bringing in new investors into the bank, 
whose only shareholders at the time continued to be the three savings banks from the merger mm. of BBK, Kucha, and Bital, um, which were now converted under his leadership into banking foundations. Okay, so I suppose that the politicians and the unions that, you know, because a lot of times these political parties also have unions support and mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so i think they had an issue with him therefore they replaced him because the bank was um, now becoming more privatized mm-hmm. as a business yeah less of a public institution um because as savings banks the kuchas were um as a savings bank that now this is some information i got from my friend natalio mm-hmm. um saving banks are required to reinvest into the communities that they serve Okay. Yes. So that's my, that's what my friend Talio gave me. That's the information he gave me, like the difference between a savings bank and then like a bank. Bank. bank, bank yeah. Right. Yeah. I know of an, an I'm not going to remain unnamed, uh, Kucha, that um, they're a great part of their giving back to society is, and you'll recognize this when I tell you, do you know the sort of schemes that you have that are, you know, very typical of many kuchas, which is like deposit a thousand euros here and you'll get a free pressure cooker. <laughs> yes, I can't tell you how many things we have. So all those things, they are <laughs> That's counted what they're counting as giving, as giving back, back, to, back society. to society. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm just saying. I believe it. I and totally I'm like, believe it. Surely that's marketing. And people are looking at me going, ah. Okay. So additionally, as part of Mario's defense, he claimed that he'd made good on this discrepancy in the books at Kucha Bank, mm-hmm. i.e. the money paid to Cabiefis in exchange for his services as a labor lawyer. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when this was brought to Mario's attention by the new president and the board of directors, like when they found this mm-hmm. little in discrepancy discrepancy in the books he immediately wrote a check to kucha bank on january 13th 2015 Uh for two hundred and forty three thousand nine five hundred and ninety two euros what an efficient gentleman out of his own pocket i mean yeah first of all this guy's minted like if you were asked to write a check for that amount it would take me a lifetime or months well, it would take me a lifetime or a few lifetimes to sense, write a check in that amount in the sense that even if you don't have that you could ask for loans in months that's what i meant with months. okay like <laughs> i don't mean like damn douglas <laughs> i mean again i could sell my apartment in months <laughs> and then use that money but i, I can't get to 240 yeah so yeah he had the cash on hand wrote a check on the spot how nice. So he had thought he, that he'd satisfied the new president and the board of directors by resolving this issue, by throwing money at it. But he was sorely mistaken because only 18 days later, um, Via La Vieta, the new president, mm-hmm. or Betia, no, Via La Betia, mm-hmm. would denounce him before the Basque prosecutor's office okay. and start this whole shit show. Mm. <laughs> so I'm going to say that was a good decision. Yeah. I'm going to say that these two guys didn't have, I, I have a feeling they wanted to take him down regardless. He tried to throw some money at it. Like, mm-hmm. oh, no, no, guys, come on. Let's just forget about it. Yeah. And he tried to just like, go oh, here, here, here's the money. Clearly. Don't yeah. ask about any more questions. Don't do anything about this. Clearly. And then he was like, nah, 
But even the substitution of him as head of Bibica sounded like it was political. So, you know, it's all. Yeah, it was definitely. Levers it being sounds pulled. like the, poli- the political parties have a say in who becomes the president of these banks. Oh, they do, right? though. But yeah. they definitely do. Yeah. Like Which is kind of strange to me, but I don't know if that's. That's why it's a semi public institution, hmm. though. Yeah. I mean, clearly giving money from your pocket shouldn't be a part of it. <laughs> yeah. It's just not like, how could you in justify a way, he's that? Like, he's like, yeah, he's admitting. Yeah, he is. By giving the check to them. Yeah. Well, right well, there. Right. Yeah. Like he knew what he had done. Yeah. Was not cool. Yeah. And was fraud. It sounds like. It was defrauding the bank. Mm, yeah. Mm, so. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you, Jones. I'm with you. Okay, so in his testimony, he explained that there were certain lines he wouldn't cross in providing this, quote, job Mm. for Mikel. One of which was that Mikel would never actually hold a position at Kucha Bank. So he didn't want him to be working directly with the bank at all. Which which is true, because it doesn't seem like he did anything. No, Mm -hmm. no. But he did what he could to find him something, okay? So he also stressed. I want to find a job where I don't need to do anything or get a salary. No shit, right? Isn't that the dream? Even if I don't get a salary, it's like, yeah, I work full time at a bank. That's nice, you know? (laughs) On paper. (laughs) I mean, if if they say I'm working 40 hours, I mean, I can retire now, right? Yeah. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) He also stressed in his testimony that he never intended to harm Kucha Bank. And in, in case there were any doubters out there, he reminded the court that he'd paid the money back in an afternoon. <laughs> an afternoon. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. I like that, how he's highlighting how easy it was for him, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, He continued to regale the court with self-congratulatory, self-congratulatory spiels, like, Thanks to myself and my team, Kucha Bank was a masterpiece, and the mere suspicion that I could have personally caused damage to the bank disgusts me. Oh, the gentleman. That's how I imagine Mario speaks. Oh, the gentleman. <laughs> you, you, you make it come He's alive, Jules. He's the victim, Jules. right? He's the victim here, right? All right, so that was me. That was Mario's uh, defense, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um, let's move on to Mikel. Mm-hmm. Mikel. Cavietes. Mikel claimed that in 2012, after resigning from holding political office, he joined the law offices of Rafael Corta, Kucha Bank's external labor advisor. Mm-hmm. He testified that it was Rafael Alcorta who contacted him mm-hmm. and offered him a job for matters that related to Kucha Bank at his law practice. Okay, he already some for... inconsistencies here, yeah? Mm-hmm. They didn't get together. Yeah, he's like, I never talked to Mario. He said he had, um, he said, quote, he had every intention of returning to work as a labor lawyer after leaving the front lines of political activity, <laughs> quote. So don't you just love how these guys keep using like war metaphors <laughs> I mean, to refer to their time in politics? Yeah, it's, um, it's a little hyperbolic, no? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, by that time, Etta was barely active. So, uh, yeah. As if. Yeah. Uh, so despite, um, despite the fact that he'd not practiced law since 1990, he maintained that he was perfectly qualified for this advisory type of work. Mm -hmm. Okay. He vehemently denied that he has ever in his life been paid for doing nothing in exchange, (laughs) (laughs) which, you know, I find really hard to believe as a politician. 
Oh, yeah. I that mean, you did nothing in exchange. Then you get a salary? Isn't that enough proof? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. I mean, I don't know. Um, okay, so he insisted that he was paid for his work as a legal consultant to Coochie Bank. Moreover, he claimed that he was completely unaware that Mario Fernandez had obtained a position for him at the bank. <laughs> this was all news to him. Oh. He's never, he, you know, it's all news to him because he never actually applied for such a position. Oh. The plot thickens. According to him, he just got a call from Rafael one day to say, hey, come work for me and... I want you to be in charge of the Coochie Bank. And he said stuff. no? And he took the job. Oh. It was like he was contacted. Oh, right. Okay. He had no idea that Mario had anything to do with this. Okay. Okay. But he claims he did some work, I assume, it looks like. It oh, yeah, yeah. Like. Uh-huh. yeah. So, he, yeah, he had no idea that it was Coochie Bank who was paying his salary. Oh, around really? 5,800 euros oh, a month. That's convenient. Mm. Just he, for... He was. He thought it was the law firm that he was now working for, yeah. that he was offered a job at. Okay? Just just in case you're not used to Europe, that's about the same as dollars. So it's like almost $6,000 per a month. Yeah. Per month. Yeah. yeah. Now, as evidenced in court, at the time of Mikel's hiring, Kucha Bank had suddenly increased its monthly payments to the offices of Rafael Corta. Mm. In precisely that amount, the 5800 mm. a month. And it seems all of that was being paid directly to Mikael. Mm-hmm. Yep, like I just said. Mm-hmm. So he was questioned at trial about whether or not he actually worked for Alcorta's office. To which they found, the prosecution found, that he went sporadically, quote, and without stating the frequency or volume and intensity of the work that he fulfilled for the law office. Mm-hmm. Okay? Mm-hmm. They could not find any reports or meetings in the bank's records to show that he was ever advising Kuchi Bank at all. Mm. Okay. Mm. So in my research, I never found that Mikel had produced any evidence in court to demonstrate that he did in fact provide any work for Kuchi Bank. Mm-hmm. You'd think, you know, that would, would be try. his best defense in this case is like, here's what I did. Yeah. These are the cases I tried, or these are the, yeah. you know, labor disputes meetings that I, I consulted attended. on. And yeah. Something. So it seems that he brought nothing to court. Yeah. Okay. To show wow. that he actually did work. He just basically just to take my word for it was his defense. Take my word for it that I did work. Okay. So uh, we'll take a break here and then I'll continue with Mikhail's testimony. Let's okay? do okay. that. All right. We're back. We're back. Okay. So we're going to continue here with Mikel's testimony in court. Mikel stood by his claims that he'd done nothing wrong. He'd done his job and that he felt victimized by these slanderous claims of corruption to benefit him financially at the expense of Kucha Bank's assets. So he went on to lament the fact that in 20, January of 2015, when these allegations came to light, that mm. he was encouraged by party leaders to leave his political party, the mm. PSE hyphen ee mm-hmm. so the Basque socialist party mm-hmm. and the left-wing Basque party, party of the Basque party yeah mm-hmm. so in a statement at the time the uskadi socialist party explained that as these facts were known or were found out the mm-hmm. general secretary of the Basque socialists idoya mendia asked mikel cabiezes to uh for clarification on the matter mm-hmm. after receiving this is like from a uh, article right so i'm reading this kind of like 
what was said. Mm -hmm. After receiving the appropriate explanations, the general secretary and Kabiathis himself have agreed to the latter's resignation from his position as secretary of institutional reforms of the executive commission of Uskadi. Mm -hmm. In addition, Kabiathis has requested his temporary dismissal as a party member so that no one can use this matter against the organization. Mm -hmm. Sounds responsible for the party. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. But wait mm -hmm. for this, Douglas. Mm -hmm. You got to hold on to that chapella a little harder now. Holding tight. Holding tight. <laughs> it wasn't only these accusations that the party leaders felt would invite negative attention to the party. Oh. In addition to the corruption and misappropriation charges being levied against him, Mikel was also going to be criminally charged by the popular accusation. All right headed by those labor unions, mm -hmm. right? And other like social organizations. Yeah. For collecting unemployment benefits <gasps> from 2012 to 2013. Oh. Yeah. Can you believe this guy? <laughs> like I'm assuming he was working work. at the same time. Yeah. 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 So it was found during this year that he received 14,000 euros while drawing a combined salary of 110 euros a year from Kucha Bank and Iberdrola. 110,000, you mean? 110,000. Yeah, yeah. What did I say? 110 dollars. Yeah, 110,000 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, 110, euros from Kucha Bank and Iberdrola. Okay. Which so I he... suppose he was also working for. Right. In addition to his work at, his work, quote unquote, at Kucha Bank. You know, we always think like, the system would realize if we're getting a salary whilst we're getting employment benefits. It's funny how in, what was this, 2017 it wasn't no, working? No, 2012, 2012, 2013 is when okay. collecting this unemployment. More, more leeway for the system not to be working, but come on. Yeah. Come on. All right, so I'm going to go into what that was all about, okay? So mm -hmm. in court, Mikel denied this claim and explained that he did request unemployment benefits after leaving his post as a government delegate in January of 2012. Mm -hmm. Because he was, in fact, unemployed at the time. Mm -hmm. He went on to say that he only received those benefits until March 1st of that year. Approximately like a month and a half. Mm -hmm. So, According was, to him. <laughs> so it was in March that he registered in the special regime... Oh, sorry, the special regime for self-employed workers mm -hmm. to practice as a lawyer. Mm. So basically he's self-employed yeah. from March. So yeah, as a result of this new status by registering as a self-employed worker, he claims that anything he received from March 1st on was not technically an unemployment benefit. Okay, so stay with me. Uh-huh, I'm a bit already... No, okay, I'm going to explain. So when registering, he opted for what's called quote, the capitalization of unemployment. So this is an option that allows those who are unemployed to become self-employed and to mm -hmm. receive an ENEM benefit. ENEM stands for the National Employment Institute. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. This benefit would be identical to their social security contribution at the start of their new activity. Mm -hmm. right? So what you're being thing. paid in unemployment, if you're, if you have to file for unemployment, it's your social security contribution that you're being paid, right? Right. It's based on your previous your, salary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So whatever your unemployment benefit would be is what you would receive while you're getting on your feet as a free agent, right? Mm -hmm. 
In other words, he continued to receive the same monthly benefit, but it wasn't exactly considered unemployment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It was a benefit that I suppose is there to help those who are getting themselves set up, you know, as a newly self-employed individual. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So he was being accused by the popular accusation of defrauding the social security system Mm -hmm. by collecting this benefit when he clearly wasn't struggling for an income. (laughs) Yeah. Well, clearly not. No. An allegation that Mikkel found to be, quote, flatly false and slanderous. Wow. I'm sorry. Do you like my indignation? <laughs> Your indignation voice. It works. It works. He pointed out that this came about at a particularly convenient time for the popular accusation, mm. as it was during elections. This came all about during an election period. Yeah. You can't get away from those, can you? Yeah. Mm. And where this could be, like, weaponized against his party. Uh, right, which is mm-hmm. a good move. He left that party. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So just to summarize how much Mikel was earning in the year from March of 2012 to March of 2013, he got around 60,000 euros yearly from Kucha Bank, mm-hmm. about 40,000 euros from Iberdrola, mm-hmm. and another 14,000 from his, quote, benefit from Enem. Okay. We haven't really mentioned Iberdrola yet, have we? No, no. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a, an energy company. Yeah. So, yeah, he was apparently working for them as well. Do you mm-hmm. want to tell our listeners who they are in there? Iberdrola is a really big electricity company. Um, I was just checking it right now. And today it's considered the third biggest electricity company in the world. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty big. It is big. Yeah, I knew that. They own... Uh, Didn't they merge with like a Scottish... Scottish Power Yeah, is one of them. And uh, they also have uh, some company. They merged with another company in eastern East Coast U.S. It's New York and Philadelphia, I think. Mm. I forget the exact uh, name of the company, but there it's, was a big merger, and now they're pretty powerful. Yeah, and they have a lot of companies in Latin America as well, which mm. is how they get to be biggest country and the second biggest producer uh, of electricity with winds mm. by market capitalization. So it's you know they're earning the second most money from winds just after Denmark. All right. So it seems though, like in this trial that the judge rejected the request of the prosecution offices or more, more um, specifically the popular accusation Mm -hmm. to expand the criminal investigation for alleged crime against social security. Mm -hmm. Okay. So So rejected that. He rejected it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The judge in this case. And if they wished, they could open specific proceedings in this matter at a different time to investigate it in depth, which as of today, I never found anything Mm. about if they ever did that for 14,000 euros. They might not have. Yeah. Because this was in 2017, right? So Mm -hmm. since then there haven't been... What I, which I looked for, mm-hmm, like if there mm-hmm. were any other ca- like stories about him being tried for this, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like there was. Yeah, I mean, that they didn't pursue it. Yeah, I, I think it's if there was a case there, especially because he's and it's fourteen thousand euros a politician as well. But but even if it was fourteen, people would pursue it if if there were easy ways in mm. to that case, right? Yeah. If they had a good case. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I don't think he, he must have covered his back that way. Yeah. I mean, for the 14,000, there's a few dozens more 
thousand euros that we have to justify. Here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the whole point. He got away case. with his uh, with unemployment 14, yeah. benefit. Yeah. Okay, so despite this being an issue they wanted to combine with the proceedings of the Kuchibank case, they were denied. The whole point of the popular accusations involvement in these proceedings was to ask the PNV, the mm-hmm. Basque Nationalists, mm-hmm. the more conservative Basque Nationalists, the PP, mm-hmm. which is the popular party is what it's called or translates right to. Wing party. Right wing mm-hmm. party. Mm-hmm. And the PSE, the Basque uh, Socialist Party, mm-hmm. to quote, stop favor agreements and revolving doors, mm-hmm. as well as to quote, end the Kucha Bank privatization process. Okay, so that was their whole point of the, 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 the wanting to accuse, yeah, wanting to proceed with this case, I guess, that they they found that there was just too many um, favors being granted yeah. Yeah. for these bank, between banks and political parties and people within these parties to, yeah, and to I, sit on boards of directors and stuff. And, and it's interesting that they want to push it way further and actually stop the privatization, which is... A very typical left-wing yeah. demand. Yeah. But, you know, we can see there's a lot more politics coming into the conversation now. Yeah. Like, you know, this is no longer about some thousands of euros we don't want to privatize anymore. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. They're political interests already. Yeah. Um, the spokespersons for the popular accusation wanted to demonstrate that Mikel Cabietes was not hired to provide any service at the bank as he did not actually carry out much work as a lawyer for the office of the Alcorta firm. firm, Mm -hmm. And any and all work that he did do, which proved to be minimal, (laughs) was not necessary for (laughs) Kuchipay. They have denounced both the liquidation of the Basque Savings Banks, mm-hmm. so they're pretty mad about that, mm. and the privatization of Kucha Bank as a, quote, breeding ground for favorable treatment between these political parties that I mentioned. It sounds so like that it. people like Cavieses can hold positions as a member of the board of directors and then move on to the board of trustees and therefore make all these choices in the future. Okay. And gain lots of salaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very problematic. No. All right, so let's move on to the third defendant in this case, mm-hmm. Rafael Acorta, the, okay. the guy that has the law firm, right? Okay. Okay. So he was being charged as an accomplice mm-hmm. as in this whole debacle. Okay. Mm. So it has been established that at the beginning of 2012, Miguel Cabiefes joined the law offices of Rafael Acorta, who was Kuchibank's external labor advisor. At this time, Kuchibank increased its monthly pay to his offices to the tune of 5,800 euros, mm-hmm. plus an additional 900 for travel expenses, all to be paid directly to the former, <laughs> this former delegate. It's right? funny that yeah. lawyers always need travel expenses. Right. right. <laughs> Just a little joke here. <laughs> Alcorta testified that Kuchibank had, quote, imposed the hiring of Cabiefis upon him mm. and describing his work as essential for his law firm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. He couldn't de- demonstrate that, but he declared that. Mm-hmm. This is what he said was told mm-hmm. to him, mm-hmm. right? They imposed it on him. Alcorta further detailed his interaction with Kuja Bank, indicating that he'd had a conversation with the director of human resources at the bank, Fernando Lopez de Aguilas, 
he was saying that he had a conversation with him mm-hmm. at the beginning of 2012. He was told that he was to hire Cabiefes mm-hmm. and that this request was coming directly from the president of the bank, Mario Fernandez. Mm-hmm. He testified that the HR director said, quote, this is the president's decision. You have a new collaborator. <laughs> End quote. Sounds like bass politics. <laughs> I believe the tone of uh, the conversation Listen. for sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me tell you something. He went on to add that he was asked to increase his monthly invoice to the bank by about 5,000 euros mm-hmm. to pay his salary. Hmm. According to Alcorta, he felt, quote, perplexed by these interactions and frustrated, quote, by the imposition, because at the time of all this, he'd been unsuccessfully demanding a substantial increase in what the bank was paying him for his services. My gosh. So you didn't give it to him, gave it some weirdo. Some weirdo. <laughs> yes. I mean, according to <laughs> He's his like, point I've of been view. wanting this money for a long time, and instead they give it to this weirdo. He claimed that his work. <laughs> <laughs> He claimed that his workload from Kucha Bank had increased considerably following the recent merger of the three Bass Savings Banks. Because if you recall, merger, like yes. the merger, did I say something? It sounded like murder. I'm just making sure. The merger. Yeah, merger. <laughs> the merger. merger of the banks. The murder of the Kucha Banks. Merger, darling. Merger. <laughs> the merger. So he claimed that his workload had increased hmm. following this, um, the merger between Sounds the believable. three Kucha Banks, right? Mm-hmm. Which, if you recall, in 2012, this is when they imposed, the they pushed Mikel on his law firm. Like, here, oh, hire sorry. this man. Right. This man's part of your law firm. But the merger happened in 2012 as well. As well, okay. So you can imagine that there was probably a, a lot, lot of, of work, happening. right? Yeah, yeah. For the labor lawyer. Indeed. You know. Indeed. From that point on, and for the next three years, Cabiethes worked with his firm as a collaborator in mm-hmm. labor law for matters related to Kuchi Bank. Collaborator was in air quotes, just for the listeners. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He also assured the court that Cabiethes guaranteed him that he was perfectly qualified for the practice of labor law and that although he had some although he had some problems with him, so it sounds mm-hmm. like they had kind of a problematic relationship, him Interesting. and Mikel. I mean, it would be if he wasn't doing anything. And he yeah, and he got salary. pushed on to him. He's like, I didn't mm. actually want to hire you, but here you are. It's, it's funny how we're believing this. He's the only one with some slightly believable information. Right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, 140,000. Here you go. Yeah. He sounds like the only one that's making some sense so far out of the yeah. three. Um, yeah, he did say he had some problems with him, but later that the collaboration was, quote, fluid and correct. I don't know what that means. We didn't talk. He got a salary. That's from from (laughs) Google Translate. Fluid, very fluid and correct. (laughs) Mm. That's why I put it in quotes. Mm. So it went smoothly and it was appropriate. Appropriate. Yeah, Yeah. it sounds good. Good (laughs) translation. He went on to say that Mikkel did have a good command of labor law, but when it came to judicial judicial and legal practice, he was less qualified. Mm. So I guess like in the courtroom or Mm -hmm. maybe filings or... I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. It sounded like you said he he didn't have he practice had a good, in like, court, right? Yeah. He, he was, but he, he never... Right. He hadn't done yeah. it since like 1990. So exactly. when it came to that kind of stuff, he was not as qualified, right? Mm. Raphael went on to note that it seemed to him that 
Mikkel had, quote, very interesting contacts within the bank. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like it. Yeah. Furthermore, the increase that he was asked to invoice the bank wasn't a particularly striking amount. And at the time, it didn't raise any red flags for him. Mm. But when it came time to end this, quote, collaboration Mm. with Cabiezes or Mikkel Mm -hmm. in 2014, the bank asked Rafael to invoice him for, I guess, what would be the severance pay for Cabiezes, right? So he's apparently working for the law for this law firm. Yeah. But then the the contract that they wanted for Mikel was a three year thing. Oh, right. Okay. I think that's what originally it started out as like, it's only going to be three years. Sure. That we're going to give him this job. Sure. I'm okay? believing you. Also, I, you know, I'm, I'm making a lot of speculations at this point, okay. having read all this. Okay. That I feel like, they probably knew they could get away with it for three years, mm-hmm. maybe sort of thing. Yeah, I got the like, vibe. Let's do this for three years. Yeah, I got that. And that's vibe. it. That's the only thing we're going to do for him. And then he can go. We can get talk away to his other connections and get another job somewhere else. Yeah, we can get away with this for three years. It sounded like that. right. Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. So when they contacted um, Alcorta or Rafael to end it, they also asked for like an increase in the payment or the invoice that was being sent to Kuchi Bank, like, for the severance pay. Okay. Yeah? But Alcorta, when this happened, Alcorta warned the bank that he could only bill them for services provided. Mm. So what he could prove that the firm had provided to the bank, right? He's, he's on his, he's, he knows what's his, what he's yeah. doing. He's a lawyer. And in the end, it appears as though this extra payout was never billed to the bank. Because mm. he was like, no, I can't do that, right? He was, yeah, he was so I responsible. Yeah, it looks like he didn't receive this extra pay that okay. they were re- requesting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so essentially, his defense in all this was that he was merely a passive participant in a third party decision. Interesting. I mean, it makes it's sense there, yeah. from his point of view. He, the, the the president of the bank, would have taken that decision, and it sounds like yeah, believable. Mm-hmm. So the testimonies of our three defendants made up the first two days of the trial. Mm-hmm. Other notable testimonies were provided by Fernando Lopez de Aguilas, the head of human resources at mm-hmm. Cuchibank, um, who pressured Rafael to collaborate, quote unquote, mm. by hiring Miguel Cabiefes mm. under the directive of Mario Fernandez. Mm-hmm. And Roberto Moll, who I mentioned earlier in the story, he was the director of the internal audit mm-hmm. um, at Cuchibank. So he was the one that um, wrote the report mm-hmm. that he gave to um, the new president, mm-hmm. who then filed a complaint with the prosecutor's office. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We're on the same page. Incredibly. Yeah. So um, why don't we take a break before we get into the sentencing? Let's do that. Okay, so it was at the end of the trial in mm-hmm. March of 2017. It was ruled that Mikel Cabiefis mm-hmm. was convicted. Mm. He would receive one year in prison and a 9,000 euro fine. <laughs> Peanuts, right? As for Mario Fernandez and Rafael Corta, they each received a six month prison sentence and a fine of 4,500 each. Euros each. Nothing. So. 
Mikel and Fernandez were charged with the crime of, or they were not charged, but they were uh, convicted mm. of the crime of misappropriation of funds. Mm-hmm. And Alcorta was charged, uh, or not charged, sorry, sentenced, mm. convicted for being an accomplice mm-hmm. in the misappropri- misappropriation of mm. funds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mikel received the longer sentence as he was the one who profited from the whole exchange mm-hmm. and add it had been proven to the court's satisfaction that he had provided no service to the bank and <laughs> no one from the entity controlled him and he reported to no one mm-hmm. at the bank, right? Mm-hmm. So that was proven in court. Good to hear. Yeah. As for Mario Fernandez's defense that he was motivated by the socio-political context that mm. he was functioning under Lol. and simply fulfilling a civic duty in his collaboration and hiring. As if. Miguel. The court accepted this motivation, but it disagreed with the way that he went about finding him a job. <laughs> the court argued that instead of trying to hire Cavietes or Miguel at the bank or at one of its affiliated companies, he used his influence to get him a job in another company and to instruct HR to increase the amount that the bank paid to that other company in order to provide him with an economic amount mm, per which, month, yeah. right? Which, yeah, which we, so we heard this backdoor antics that he pulled, the court was like, hmm, you know, like yeah. you could have done the same thing by hiring him legitimately. Mm. Yeah, plus he said, someone at the bank plus, or give him like a reference for another job, right? Yeah, plus you also said in this podcast that at some point he was like, oh, I was not in concerned at all about his salary. And then he later threw some business was saying oh make sure that salary is paid to him yes through the law firm right so he is contradicting himself entirely there and i guess that's well he just his defense was just that like i i felt obliged to find him a job because these politicians called me and asked me to find him a job yeah so he didn't actually find him a job at kutu bank what he did was Mm -hmm. Find Put him in the law firm. Mm-hmm. And then make that company pay him yeah. some money that Kuchibake was going to directly pay him. Yeah, yeah, but his original statement that he wasn't concerned with the money doesn't make sense because he was making sure that he got paid, you know? Hmm. Just saying. Just saying. Hmm. I'm trying to be the liar here. <laughs> it's the only thing I caught out of them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in a quote from the sentencing, quote, he acted personally outside the entity and without involving it at any time in an action completely unrelated to the ordinary activity of the bank. It sounds like they just want to leave the bank alone, but sure. No, they're saying he, as in charge, as the man in charge of the bank, Mm -hmm. he didn't actually use the bank, the bank by hiring him to provide any Mm. services to the bank. Oh, right, 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 right. But it's also, it's nice and convenient that the bank is sort of free of charge. You know, they didn't do anything wrong. The bank itself, the institution, Right. It's privatized and clean and ready for investment. At, at this point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Because he's now no longer in charge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? If yeah. it had come about while he was in charge, it would probably be a different story, right? Sure, sure. Or they probably would just take him down. I don't know. Yeah, I just like, I don't like, I mean, it's it's interesting how they kind of draw a line between him and the institution of BBK. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's amusing to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Fernandez or Mario also received the reduced sentence due to the fact that he fully returned. Oh, okay. The two hundred forty-seven thousand euros that Mikel had received even before the filing of the lawsuit. 
So before any of this even was filed with the prosecution's office, he paid that off. So the ruling considers it proven that Fernandez acted with, quote, the intention of procuring an economic benefit for Cavietes and that this occurred at the expense of the entity's assets. Yes. And with the instrumental participation of Alcorta's office. Right? So just basically, yeah. Yeah. He went a really roundabout way to sure. get this all paid to him. Alcorta's right. sentencing was also reduced as he was merely in a collaborator. Mm. And not, I guess, the mastermind <laughs> of all this, you know? Yeah. So the ruling devoted several pages to justifying that Cabietis' services were completely unnecessary and to doubting the work that he carried out for Alcorta and the bank. It is emphasized that the financial institution had no need to have Cabietis and that the monthly expense incurred was absolutely unjustified from the point of view of business logic. End mm. quote. In summary, it was financial aid and not a reinforcement for Huja Bank. They didn't need him. Mm. The court ruling concluded with, quote, the intention to benefit and the correlative harm are evident, and the three defendants were aware of this. The court rejected, however, the prosecution's request to disqualify Cabiethis in a court from practicing law. Uh, as well as Fernandez from holding a position as administrator or board member. Any other company. So he can do it. Yep. They both got Fucking... to keep practicing law and stick to their. That's why the word justice doesn't quite make I know, sense right? here. Anyway. The ruling noted that the required quote seriousness is not proven in the case of the former president of Kucha bank. Although he, Quote, overreached his duties. Oh. <laughs> oh my gosh, just a bunch, know, of, right? bunch of friends. Bunch of other very powerful people are going, well, it's not that bad. As for Alcorta and Cabiethes as lawyers, he considers that the, quote, enrichment on which the crime of misappropriation is based did not have to do with a certain professional performance or the breach of their duties as a lawyer. I mean, I would argue against that. I mean, right? Yeah, of course. He, as a lawyer, you're supposed to. They legally to... knew how they could go around and finagle this. Yeah, this I... whole thing, right? Yeah, you know, it's it's as it's it's less uncomfortable than our first story, where they judged there was not cruelty, where there was clearly oh, yeah. cruelty. Yeah. And this is this is the same sort of box of things. It's like, yeah, yeah. you want to say that? Well, if you want to say that with your freaking excuses, say that. But we know yeah. it's not, you know? Yeah. This guy should not be a lawyer for at least a few years. Yeah. Like at least. Something. They should like have some five sort of years. penalty. Yeah. I'm going to say five. There I, should be, yeah. Two, three does not sound enough. Even if he was in jail, he has to have serious consequences where he's not going to earn these hundreds of thousands of dollars as a lawyer, a lawyer. yeah daily yeah. and like what lawyer is like a lawyer that's been condemned for breaking the law for breaking the law is still going to be paid full no problem representing whatever firms he Do wants whatever to. yeah get any job he wants yeah <sighs> anyway i know Miss, i know me not happy just saying mm-hmm. just saying mm-hmm. Furthermore, the court acquitted them of the crime of falsifying a commercial document. Um, so this fraud 
count was in reference to some of the invoices mm -hmm. that were provided by El Corte's law firm. Mm. From what I've read, the accusation lacked the conciseness and precision in the account of the facts and could not be proven. So basically they couldn't prove that the fraud took place sure. with these invoices yeah. or in these invoices. It's probably an invoice that said, he, he gave us great advice yeah, on Yeah, he did X, this X amount of job. Yeah. And it was like a dinner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. We're getting to the bottom of this. Yeah. We're almost there. Yeah. So I searched forever to uh -huh. find out if any of these three men actually served any time in prison. Right. It was with the help of my friend and ex-student Gisela that she found that none of them went to prison. Oh, my gosh. Yep. So See, she this is information the news does not, you know, they talk about, you know. They go over the court case. Yeah, there's nothing more shocking. To then there's never any yeah. mention about that they never actually went to prison. What the F? I know. You can say fuck. Yeah. This is an explicit podcast. Just saying. <laughs> yes, you can go ahead and say it. Let it out, Douglas. Oh, my gosh. I know. Well, she also indicated why. Why they didn't go to prison. So she informed me that mm. a prison sentence is suspended if it's less than two years with certain <sighs> conditions, such as being a first time offender or satisfying civic liability. So satisfying civic liability, and which I imagine was the fine. Okay. Like as in we paid, they paid the liabilities we which had. Which was nothing. Oh, sorry. Which, okay. which was nothing. No, it's nothing. I mean, he... he Cavietes had to pay 9000 and the other two had to pay 4500 Oh, as in the That fine. was their fines? Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, no, it's nothing. So I don't know if that's what she meant by civic liability, but pff, it sounds like it. No? Yeah. I, I mean, it's an... They satisfied their civic liability or their civil liability. Not civic, but civil liability. Civil. Okay. I don't know. Throw words at us, so I right? I guess they'll be punished through their public shaming. Nobody's. Mm. That's how they dominate us. They just create words. They throw it at us. We don't and understand. And we're like, okay, like well, I guess he satisfied his civil liability, even <laughs> though he fucking raped her and killed her three times. But whatever, whatever. <laughs> just saying. Oh my god. Uh, seriously. Yeah, so yeah, after mixing that. cases, mixing cases. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not implying anything on these very rich people that definitely could kill us. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they had to pay some fines, which for them was like chump change. It was nothing. Four thousand euros for the, uh, nothing. For nine thousand. The guy the wrote a check case. for four two hundred fifty thousand, basically, in one day. Like here, have two hundred fifty thousand. The interesting thing is, though, if he hadn't written that check would he only be reliable to pay the nine thousand that's the then it, yeah it would probably be nine thousand right yeah, yeah, right yeah. i think that so he saved 4500 euros by writing that check and now he's probably kicking himself he's like fuck if i had just not paid that not forty five thousand. no forty five hundred did i say forty five thousand? i don't i think it's a hundred he's fine no okay 40. fernandez was uh -huh given a smaller prison sentence, six uh -huh. months and 4,500 euros fine mm -hmm. because he had paid that check mm -hmm. to make up for what Kucha Bank had paid to Mikel, right? Mm -hmm. That's why they gave him the lower sentence, Okay, right? So he's probably kicking himself because Mikel 
got a year in prison, which he never had to serve. Yes. And had to pay 9000 So, you know, he paid half of what Mikkel paid. Right. But he's probably kicking himself because he's like, fuck, I never actually had to pay that 250000 Exactly. To the bank yes. Yes. If this was just going to be. Exactly. I could have just paid 9000 Yeah. Like Mikkel. That's what I'm and never actually have to serve a day in prison. We were in the same page. I was okay. just scared about names of people. But okay. Yes. Okay. It's ridiculous. Are you following, Megan? Were we on the same page? Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. We're on the same page, listeners, just for those yeah. listening in. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. In the trial, Kabiatha's defense are alleged that his right to privacy had been violated. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when the court examined his bank accounts without his authorization and without the mandatory judicial authorization. I mean, if they don't have a mandatory so, authorization, sure. You know, he knows the ins and outs. Sure, and sure does. Uh, what is the freaking law, the the court doing, not doing its judicial proper steps? Yeah. Whilst investors, I mean, yeah. also right, like, yeah. is he catching us on a legality? Yeah, the, the actual court didn't do He's correctly. Like, counterattack, counterattack. Ah. <sighs> How to get away with it. So anything. the court decided to postpone the analysis of this allegation. So they didn't even address it at the time. Okay. The allegation of... That they had violated his privacy. Oh, by I mean... Examining his bank accounts. He didn't even go to jail. Who cares? Yeah. Mario Fernandez announced that he will appeal the ruling. In a statement, he shared his respect for the magistrate's decision, but that he will appeal, declaring, quote, I have a clear conscience. I am going to appeal because never, and this has been proven, have I acted in accordance with my own interests. What, what, never have I acted in accordance with? In accordance with my own interests. Never have I Like acted. it wasn't for his own benefit. Uh, that doesn't or make interest. sense to me though. That's I have the never court. acted in In, in accordance interests. with my own interests. I wasn't acting that. for my own, for my but not personal never, gain. In that case then. Yeah. He wasn't acting in that case, apparently. Okay. He was saying never has he done that. Well, that means he would never have lifted a fucking bowl of soup to his mouth because that's in his interest to survive. Oh, okay. Has he never acted in his own interests? Well, maybe. Has everybody just given maybe him soup? Maybe he just meant in this again? case. In this case. He's anyway. talking about his own case. In this case. Just saying. Not just saying. in general, maybe. I'm just saying. Freaking words. Douglas is riled up. If the only thing we have is words, I can only listen to words. That's... And these words are coming from Google Translate. I'm trying to quote sure, him sure, what sure, he said. Sure, sure, sure. And so I'm trying to keep it as close to I forgot to that his, part now. <laughs> trying to keep it as close to his sure, like, quote, sure, sure, right? Sure, sure, so that's how, I, that's how it was translated. Okay. Sure. <laughs> you're surprised that i'm angry joey no surely not not. <laughs> not at all okay so he went on to say that the presumption of innocence has been violated and generated a situation of defenselessness instead of proving the alleged criminal acts the defendants have had to prove their innocence right He announced his goal of cleaning up his professional honor and insisting that his actions at the head of the bank were always, quote, legal and ethical and in the defense of the entity's interests. Bullshit. (laughs) Bullshit. The court of law proved that you are guilty. Yeah. But he's going to appeal. 
apparently. And he did. He did. Yes, he did. Did he okay. win? Well. Fucking bastards. No, he didn't, but that's a spoiler. Okay. So, I still don't know what aftermath. happens. Okay. okay. So, you have an aftermath. not everyone was happy with the sentences. Okay. I'm like, not happy. Like Douglas. I feel, this, I feel in the same boat. Is outraged, as were other people. Mm. Okay. So, for example, E.H. Bildu. Mm-hmm. which is a left-wing nationalist and Basque independence party. Yes, that's my people. Okay, that's the party you vote for usually. Okay. When they let me. <laughs> I'm only allowed to vote in municipal elections right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a situation for residents, not civilians, right? Or citizens, I should say. Mm. If we're not citizens, we can't vote nationally. We have exactly. to vote locally, right? Exactly. Okay. We're allowed to vote locally. I was confused by your wording. That's okay. correct. So, anyway, these this party um, was disappointed with one aspect of the sentencing. In the aftermath, they felt that the sentence must have, quote, political consequences. That's since right. it shows that the Basque Nationalist Party, mm. PNB, and the Basque Socialist Party, PSE, mm-hmm. used Kucha Bank and its capital to pay mutual political favors. Yeah. Unquote. The Albert Sale Albert Coalition, yeah, the, the, the which is a coalition of various left-winning Basque Nationalist and Independence mm-hmm. parties, including E.H. Bildu, yes. has stressed that the appointment of Fernandez to preside over the bank was, quote, forged after a three-way agreement between the Basque Nationalist Party, PNB, and the which is the conservative right-wing leaning Basque nationalist and the PSE, the Basque Socialist Party, and the PP, which was the Popular Party, which is a conservative party or right-wing right party. Wing. They went on to say that the former president of Kuchibank ordered the payments to Cabiethis after requests from members within those three parties. E.H. Bildu could not understand why this sentence did not entail the assumption of political responsibility by the representatives of these three parties. Agreed entirely. Yeah. Wonder why I will vote for them. Yeah. <laughs> so with respect to Mario Fernandez's appeal that, mm-hmm. that you were wondering about. <laughs> mm. We're all wondering about. <laughs> we're all wondering about. Everybody's on the edge of their seats at this point. It's appeal. <laughs> what it's happened? Appeal. They didn't go to jail or anything. Okay. So no. in February of 2018, the Supreme Court has confirmed the sentence of six months in prison that was imposed <gasps> In March of 2017, by mm. the Biscaya court's ruling for mm. misappropriation. Mm. As a result, well, he never actually went to prison. No. Right? But at least so he was condemned result, to prison. Yeah. They held up the conviction, right? Good. So as a result, Fernandez has resigned from the board of directors at Repsol, oh. a position he'd held since 2011. That's the oil company yeah. of, well, I don't a know where it's Very big started. oil company. It's, it's the biggest uh, Spanish one that we know of, yeah. I think. Off the top of our heads. Yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> historically, I think it's the most important one. Like Shell yeah. in the Netherlands. Whether they're still the biggest or not, we don't know. But yeah. hmm. So the oil company um, had decided not to demand his resignation to, until the sentence was final. So when the sentence was final, he had to resign. Last salary, my little friend. Oh, pobre, poor little Fernandez. Little Mario has to find another job. But he's probably like in his 70s now. So he's like, I'll just retire with all this cash. 
Do you mean uh, ready for presidency like in other countries? <laughs> yeah, it's gonna run for president. <laughs> Fuck well, it, I'll run for president. <laughs> as long as I don't, as long as I know not to vote for this guy, it'll be fine. It'll be cool. <laughs> Omg, none of this is a problem to run for president. No. <laughs> as for Rafael Corta, mm. he was in the news in June of 2022 okay. when his law firm Alcorta and Associates was absorbed through a merger mm -hmm. by a much larger national and international law firm of Sargadoy, mm -hmm. which you may have heard of Sargadoy and associates. Yeah. The offices that Alcorta held in Bilbao have become the newest branch of this big wig law firm that holds offices and sway all over the peninsula. Interesting. So our little accomplice Raphael is doing a okay. It after all this sounds mess. like it. He's fine. Ah. And then I couldn't find out much about what Mikel Cavietes is up to these days, mm. but he's probably fine. <laughs> We're going to assume he's yeah, uh, it's probably fine. sipping some much better wine than we are. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> Send somebody else to pick it up. Oh, for sure. Um, however, in one article from March of 2018, a municipal group called the Portugalujo mm -hmm. Despierta, mm -hmm. that's the name of the group, had presented a motion requesting the removal of his portrait, which hangs in the assembly hall of Portugalete's town hall. Absolutely. Which, if you recall, he was the mayor there from yeah. 1995 to 2008. You mean disgraced mayor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I shall refer to him as from now on. <laughs> oh, you mean Cavietes, the disgraced mayor um, of Portugalete. Uh, so the removal of the portrait was rejected by the votes cast by guess who? The Basque Socialist Party, the Popular Party. Okay. But PNV, yes. the Basque Nationalist Party, abstained. Well done. From voting. Well, well done. done. They indicated that they do not understand why the general secretary of the Basque Socialist Party of Biscaya and the mayor of Portugalete, Michael Torres, Miquel Torres, decided to keep quiet about the cases of corruption linked to their party during the Cuchipin uh, case. In addition, they've indicated they're deeply outraged by the abstentions, abstentions. abstentions. Mm -hmm by the PNV members because, quote, once again, they're looking for excuses not to position themselves clearly. I agree with that. It's, it's just that the thing is, if they had uh, voted not to take his photo down, his, his painting down, it would, it would be a clear line. They're clearly taking sides, yeah. which is the wrong side. Let me just highlight here. <laughs> and uh, least they're being neutral. In the sense that, well, you know, I'll... If we don't vote, then nobody can say we did, went either way. I mean, at least they're not on his freaking sides. They just don't want to say. Yeah. Whereas uh, the unionist parties are very happy to cozy up to little corrupt boys. <laughs> we can see. Just highlighting from my personal <laughs> point of view. It's the most outraged he's ever been on this podcast. Right? <laughs> <sighs> All right, I'm going to finish it up with the spokesman for Puerto Galujo <laughs> de Spirita, John Medrano, considered it, quote, a tremendous exercise in cynicism that these parties refuse to position themselves against corruption when they have it in front of their yeah. noses. Yeah, that's what I agree so with. So his portrait can still be seen there today. That's what I agree with. 
And there you go. That is the case of Kuchibank and Kavietes. Yeah. <laughs> There's only one thing in my head right now. Do you know all these people that are fighting for like nature and freaking paintings up? Yeah. I will leave it in the listener's imagination what I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <clears throat> Let's hope some 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 youngins who who want to help mm. politics uh, become nicer. Yeah, understand my message. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, yeah. it's uh, that was very interesting, and now <laughs> hopefully we know what people are talking about when they bring out this cabeza guy. If anybody huh? brings it up, you'd be like, "Oh, I know all about that." Yeah. <laughs> Finally, we bid you a Crimes of the Basque Lands is written and produced by Douglas D. Carvalho, Julie Garcia, and Megan Dooley. The sound and editing for each episode by Douglas D. Carvalho, and Megan Dooley. Theme song written by Douglas D. Carvalho, Julie Garcia, and Megan Dooley. Sung by the choir with no name and produced by Tom Squires. Podcast art by Distinct Signal. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Crimes of the Basque Lands and contact us at crimesofthebasquelands at gmail.com with story ideas worldwide which have a connection to the Basque Country, or any rave reviews. If you like our podcast, please subscribe, like, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, Agur! agur.